0: Hi, I'm Katarina, and this is Sound Effects, a new music and mental health podcast.
1: Sorry about that, I was just eating some food there.
0: Oh, no problem. Are you in Dublin at the minute? I am, yeah, yeah. I live in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, I
1: live in Dundrum, which isn't too far from Deliri. Yeah. It's the same same kind of area. But I'm from down the country though, Like, oh. uh, so I've been living in Dublin about, I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah. Give or take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a bit about your
1: music. Well, at the moment, yeah, I'm in a band. We're in a four-piece at the moment. So there's me and my girlfriend's so the singer. And uh, then another guy who I've been friends with for years, uh, went to school with him, he's a piece of guitar player. We've been in that band Maybe going on for two, three years now. I mean, there's been a lot of lineup changes at the start, trying to get different people in, and some people left, and as it happens, you know, people move on to different things. And So, but the current set up together, I'd say about maybe a year or so. It's, uh, well, it's good, it's, it's classic rock kind of stuff we're doing. So, we aren't really gigging at the moment because um, after the last guitar player left, it's so hard. Like, guitar players, are, there's, they're so common, there's so many of them about, but it's hard to find the right one. Yeah. So um, we were like, okay, we've done all this addition thing a few times now and it's not really worked. So my girlfriend plays a little bit of guitar. So she was. we were like, why don't you just play mm-hmm. guitar as well? And then we'll have the four of us. We won't need to look for someone else. So it's kind of took a while for us just to work that in and get her used to singing and playing at the same time. And kind of work out guitar parts and stuff. So that's why we haven't really been doing any gigging or, or recording lately, because we've just been sort of working on that. But uh, it's coming together now nicely. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of about ready to... get back out there again and do some more recording and, and gigging and stuff so I play drums, but I play a bit of guitar as well, so I do write my own sort of stuff. It'd be more kind of singer-songwriter-y, I suppose you'd call it, so more acoustic-based. A lot of that stuff I'd keep to myself, and then some stuff, I'd if I felt the band could uh, do what I'd suggest it, but um, yeah, some, some stuff is just for me. <laughs>
0: Got you into the drums specifically?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I think they just all stood out to me when I listened to, to music. Because like, I always wanted to learn guitar, and um, there was nobody like where I grew up was pretty rural, so there was nobody really around that done guitar. You know, that would do lessons or anything. And you know, this is pre YouTube and all that stuff that you have now. You know, with online lessons and stuff. So I suppose drums just were the easiest thing because you could just listen and bang stuff. You know, so yeah. I used to be up in the bedroom banging boxes and driving my mother mad, nicking her spoons and, <laughs> and damaging them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That wasn't good, I took, um, she she got this uh, wedding when they got married, my parents, uh, someone gave them a gift of a, you know, big crockery set with all these fancy cutlery oh, yeah, and stuff yeah. and I took two spoons and made bits of them, <laughs> so she was not impressed with me. Yeah, I was. I'd be pretty young then, I'd be... I'll be still in primary school, probably about eight or nine. So for some reason, yeah, I don't know. The drums just stood out to me as probably the easiest thing that I could learn by myself. Yeah. And um, when I was about twelve, then I got my first drum kit, uh, which was pretty, uh, pretty basic affair. But um, you know. Obviously, music gear was expensive yeah. at the time, you know, my parents obviously bought it for me, so uh, I was out in the shed doing that for a couple of years, and then when I when I got um, bit older, and I went to boarding school in Dublin, okay. and uh, that's when I started playing the guitar, but yeah, drums came first. Yeah, to answer your question, probably the reason I was drawn towards them was because they they're the easiest thing that I thought I could learn by myself without, you know, needing any, any help. Of course, when you do it that way, you end up picking up loads of bad habits and stuff, but, um... Okay. You know, a few years later I went for some drum lessons and he was like, Oh, you're holding the sticks wrong, you're doing everything wrong. I was like, oh damn, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have started this. But yeah, no, so that's how, that's how the drums came about.
0: to be in a band and then go down that route
1: Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, definitely always wanted to be in a band. You know, like oh, from when I was a child, so we used to try and set up bands with people that none of us could play anything. You know, we joined, we'd go, oh, let's start a band. we be like, oh, hang on, don't no play anything. But um, yeah, no, when I was about, I'd say maybe sixteen or that, I joined my first band, and it was only lasted a couple of years, but it was it was great. Like it was really um, great experience just playing music with your friends every weekend, and like again, like I was saying, where I'm from was it's so quiet there wasn't really a lot to do, especially for teenager you're basically just hanging about the place like so music was always a great distraction you know for me you know fill it filled up my time really you know like i don't know what i would have done without it to be honest as a teenager because it really occupied most of my my time always um you know playing guitar listening to music playing drums i mean yeah i don't I really don't know what i have done without it, to be honest but um yeah, so that was great and then obviously it's got older i Came up to Dublin and I was. I've been in several different bands over the years, so this latest one now is pretty good. It's good to be back in it because I actually I had not been in a band for a while before that. The previous band I was in, we we'd done a lot of gigging and stuff, and we sort of the band split up, and I was a bit sort of a bit jaded by it afterwards. So I was sort of like, oh, I think I'll just give this band stuff a rest for a while. So I was just sort of doing my own thing. Mm. Yeah, so then the Software came along, so I was like, right, we'll give this another go. So it's going well so far.
0: Oh, you were a child of the '90s. Were you? Was that was that your era of
1: Britpop as Definitely, well? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Like I, like we were saying there when we started talking, Oasis to me would have been probably the first band that really woke me up to music. I mean, I always listened to music, but my parents would have been into sort of like country music, and my sister she was three <laughs> years older than me, so she would have been into whatever was in the charts, you know, like dance and <laughs> pop bands and stuff. But she liked a bit of rock as well. Yeah. So, you know, I obviously wasn't really into much of, of the country stuff, uh, so music was always there, but I mean, when I heard Oasis first, it was just like, whoa, what, what is this? And around the same time, I started listening to uh, Nirvana and Metallica, all pretty much all together. My cousin, I don't know the cousin, and she gave me tapes back in the day when we all used to use tapes, so she taped, she like taped me a tape off her tape, who she taped from someone else's <laughs> tape, so the quality was absolutely awful. You could barely hear the music, but um, that was my... Uh, that was one of my first, my own little music collection, which I was, which I still have the tapes at home somewhere. I always kept them, but um, yeah. And then my uncle, who lives in London, he, when he heard I was into waste, he sent me over the the Definitely Maybe album and What's the Story and a, f- a few singles as well. So. I was I was well on the road then to to uh, getting into into music, but yeah, Oasis were, were massive. I mean, I mean, like I was pretty young. I mean, I was probably about nine or ten. I, I remember one of my friends saying to me, we were chatting one night uh, a couple of years ago about it, and he was saying, you know, we used to be out playing in the garden, playing with Lego and toys, and you'd be there bringing out your little tape recorder, going, "Oh, let's check this out. This is this, this band Oasis, you know." So it, it was um, it's it went that far back, that pre-teens, like yeah. yeah.
0: Would would you have said that sort of Nirvana, Metallica, and Oasis were kind of on par with each other, or did you have like one where Oasis that bit more?
1: Uh, Oasis were definitely the yeah. the key. Like, uh, I mean, like. Metallica, I just like some of their songs, and I never was a massive fan, you know. Like a few years later, then when I was in my first band, the other guitar player, he was into, he was in Nirvana, nuts, I mean, he was obsessed with Kurt Cobain. So he, I really got more into Nirvana maybe later then, because I only had their first album, Bleach, when it, when I was a child. So uh, the first tapes I had was the Metallica one was all different songs. Yeah. The tape the their Nirvana one was Bleach, their first album, and. The first Oasis one I had, I think, was it was around about the time when What's the Story came out. Okay. So it was songs from that, but very quickly I kind of I was happy with the Nirvana Metallica ones, but very quickly I, I, had, to, I had to find out more of this Oasis, and uh, I used to listen to I don't know if you remember at the time Long Wave Radio. Oh
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's uh, I think it's gone now. Long Wave Two Five Two, but. Uh, I used to always listen to that as a child and again that was the summer when Us Story was out so you know champagne soup and all that we're, were big so I taped songs off the radio <laughs> and um, after that. that sorry
0: I love doing things like that taping off the radio in those
1: days yeah the youth of today the they don't know what they're missing yeah. I'm telling you um, it was great fun just yeah. taping songs off the radio and making up your little playlist and yeah. waiting for the DJ to stop talking so you could so you could record it <laughs> Um <laughs> Uh, so yeah so then kind of after that so I had a couple of songs so I um, went to my parents then, and I suppose the next thing I would have bought would have been the, the actual first proper album I would have bought from Oasis uh, because my uncle like I was saying to gave me CDs of Definitely Maybe Then i was What's the Story first proper album I bought myself was uh, the third one and The Master Plan as well yeah. so so I bought with with Metallica and Nirvana it was sort of like oh yeah they're cool but yeah mm. I kind of got into them a bit more in, in later years but with Oasis I literally got all their albums and I have bought every album of theirs mm. since whereas um like Metallic for example, I probably only have about three other albums or something. But.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that comes up a lot, whenever I speak to people who talk about that period of time, I think it's always yeah. really interesting the way you had Nirvana. Like everyone always sort of name checks Nirvana and then mm. and then name-checks Oasis as this kind of contrast, and I wonder if it might be the same with Metallica as well, because both Nirvana and Metallica are, oh, they're quite, not dark, but they, they're sort of pondering on the, on the negative of life, I guess. And,
1: yeah, and whereas Oasis, I suppose, are more of like a, a positive, and yeah, mm. that is interesting. Yeah, because I mean, there's several other bands I would have gotten into around the same period, but I suppose maybe that Oasis are, are English, and I could connect more with that than to maybe an American band. I don't, I don't know. Obviously, they're Irish descent as well. I mean, so you'd kind of understand, you'd relate more to what they were, the stuff they kind of write about, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it is an interesting one
2: because yeah. you're right.
1: Like everybody does, Nirvana always gets mentioned yeah. to anybody you'll talk to. You know, they were, they were just one-of-a-kind, I suppose, and mm. uh, what they've done for, for guitar music, especially.
0: Yeah, when you started playing the drums, mm. was that inspired by any of those bands particularly?
1: Well, yeah, I suppose, like, so the, the, the first things I would start playing would, would have been those tapes that I had, I mean, by the time I actually got a drum kit, I was a little bit older, so I probably had a few more, but as most people would know, like, um, Tony McCarroll would be a, a sort of a simple drummer, keeps things simple and straightforward, not Big complicated uh, fills and you know all these double kicks and all that stuff so it was real easy to to play along to those songs but you know anything off definitely maybe like live forever or what uh supersonic the drums are so prominent and, and really simple, straightforward beats to play. So it would have been, definitely, Oasis would have been the one t- on on that front that would have, because uh, they were so easy to, to, to just be able to play. And and mm-hmm. same guitar-wise, you know? I mean, Metallica, unless you're a good guitar player, you're not gonna be able to play those solos. But Oasis, anybody, you can, you can pick, up, pick up guitar and strum four chords and you can play, you know, most Oasis songs. So yeah. <laughs> they would have been a big thing that I would have listened to and, and played along to, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess starting with Dave Grohl would have been quite tricky as well.
1: <laughs> Indeed, yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty handy on the drums, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'd try, obviously, but um, at first I probably wasn't doing 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 it justice, but. Oasis was pretty, pretty simple and straightforward to play too. And still to this day, I'd, I'd be a sort of a simpler style drummer myself. I wouldn't be flying around the kit, you know. I mean, I went through a little phase when I was a teenager. I tried. I I'd never could really get into metal. I tried it, and, you know. Metallica was probably the heaviest band, or maybe um, System of a Down or something. Mm. But I could never the proper metal. I could never really just the, just the sense of melody wasn't there for me in it. So I did go through a phase of buying loads of cymbals and extra toms and double kick pedals and because I play the drum kit left handed as well oh, yeah, okay. which is another another story Um, so obviously if you're using like a double kick pedal you can't use a normal one because it's set up for a right handed person, so I had to get this special one uh, shipped in from Germany, which was like cost me like nearly 500 euro. And uh, I was given this metal thing a go, but it never really took off for me, so I ended up stripping back down to a small kit and just keeping it simple, you know.
0: It's, it's funny when you talk about metal music because I remember a very similar process, I, I was very much into. Britpop and um, well this is obviously Britpop, indie mm. um and rock I love Nirvana as well I love to prime the as well but I had a lot of friends who were really into their metal it started with Nine Inch Nails and they were also into things like Sepultura and like Pantera and stuff and I, I remember kind of going to these gigs with them you know, yeah, I saw my Inch Nails with them, and I saw Marilyn Manson with them, and, and, okay. but yeah, I, it's funny how, because again that's another thing that a lot of people do talk about, that alongside this Britpop, there is this kind of, that there was like a massive, massive metal scene. Um, and I think I feel similar to you, that I, um, I dabbled with trying to like metal, yeah. I got used to it, because I was hearing it all the time with friends, but
1: it never really took me personally. Yeah, it, that's the exact same. I mean, even now, like, in, in Dublin, there's a there's a pretty strong metal scene, but it's it's kind of, like, hidden. Unless you're into it, you don't really know it's there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's a weird sort of a thing. So it's still, even to this, like, now, it's still really popular, but it's just, if you're not in the scene, I don't think you don't really know about it. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I... I, I uh, I did try, but no, it just wasn't for me. It's kind of as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of gotten more, gone more the other way, so and get more into more acoustic-y kind of music. So, yeah. I don't think metal was, was just never meant meant for me. So, <laughs> basically, I, I spent a lot of money trying to have a big massive drum kit, only to realise, oh well, <laughs> it's not really my scene. So, so it's all sitting at home in the shed now, probably somewhere.
0: I mean, it seems that you overcame a lot of obstacles in that respect. So, first of all, you were left-handed. <sighs> And then Mm. you told me that you're also blind. Yeah, is that something? Have Have you always been blind from birth, even when you started the drums? So
1: I had light perception until relatively recently, until say a couple of years ago. So I could see certain things, but I wouldn't have enough sight, you know, to read or to uh, you know to watch TV or anything like that. So it would have been a very basic amount, but it was you know better than nothing obviously but uh so like even for example playing the drums a lot of people what they would have done when they're starting out if they're not getting lessons they would have just watched i don't know videos whatever of their favorite band and look at the drummer so i obviously didn't have that and i had no one teaching me so i actually play the drums open-handed so a lot of drummers if you look at them they cross their hands over yeah so i just because i didn't know that so i was just listen and picking out the drums and copying it but I was playing my own sort of way because I didn't realize that there was a certain way you were meant to hold a stick in a certain way that you've used your hands so I play open style and still do to this day and again because I was left-handed too I tried playing right-handed at first but I just couldn't I could get so far but I couldn't get past certain level with it so I just went back to being the lefty, which, you know, has its own drawbacks because any gig you go to, the kit will be set up for a right-handed person, mm. so I always have to deal with that, which is which can be a pain. But, um, you know, it, it was either stay at this really basic level or, or just go with what felt more comfortable, and so I, I went with that. But yeah, that, that would have been a, as an effect of being blind, I suppose. I didn't realise that, you know, drummers would cross their hands over, mm. so still to this day I would play mainly uh, open-handed now as, as a direct result of that. And then obviously a couple of years later, when I picked the guitar up, I made myself learn it right-handed. So I played guitar normal right-handed and I played drums left-handed just to keep things weird. So that was easier for me to do right-handed. But So I suppose, yeah, that was one thing. But I suppose just music in general, obviously, because you listen to it, it was just something that I was awesome to. And kind of then when I came into my teen years, my early teens, like a lot of my friends would have been at the stage when they were going to the youth discos, as they'd, as they'd call it. <laughs> my sight wasn't enough that i could go to those like it just wouldn't have been practical really to be honest with loud music and stuff you know so i kind of i never really went to them so when they went out i just sit up in my room and listen to music play guitar it was it was a huge huge uh, thing for me in that regard yeah mm. so i suppose yeah um not having the site is is um it's definitely uh, in in terms of music it's 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 been a massive factor into it yeah
0: yeah, could you explain more about that? Because I, I imagine that when you're listening to music and you're missing the sense, I mean, because we we have all these senses sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch everything. When when people are have have full access to them, they're taken for granted in many respects. Um, and it's only when you sort of describe something like that that you really appreciate the difference that a sense makes. But I imagine when it came to music. That somehow the impact of you as someone who was blind would have led to you hearing music in a very different way to maybe other people.
1: Um, probably so. Yeah, I mean, because I suppose you just lock into the music and you listen to it. Not better, but maybe just more because mm. you're not distracted by you know looking at the, what's on the video or something. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. you're just listening in. And when I picked up guitar a couple of years later, I mean, I was learning everything by ear. You know, it's like there was no uh, like I say at that time there was no, you couldn't just go on YouTube and look up oh I want to play this song right, type in guitar lesson of whatever song mm-hmm. and there'd be someone there you know going through this is the chords this is how you play them you know there was none of that so I had to sit with the CD player and you know listen to a section try and figure out what it was rewind over and over you know section by section until I'd, till I'd got it because I couldn't look at a video to see all right well his hand is on this part of the guitar neck there mm-hmm. Um, that's that's obviously where, where the song starts, you know, so I didn't have that so I had to really get good at listening and hearing and as a result of that, my ear now is pretty good so when somebody, if I'm in a room say playing along with someone, generally they won't need to tell me what the chords are, I can, I'll can i hear the I'll hear what they're playing and go right, it's, that's the chord, you know, so I have a, a pretty good ear as a result of that, learning by ear. I mean, which I suppose a lot of younger musicians now may not have, because I'm sure in the, if, if YouTube and stuff was available to me in, in when I was learning, I would have went straight there, obviously. And while that's all great, it means that you're not really pushing yourself to develop your own ear, which I suppose for, for drums, is, is, it's different because you're just playing the beat. But if you're playing guitar, it's obviously uh, it's, its rhythm and its melody. So particularly for playing like melodies um, and chord progressions, if you can get to a point where not, you don't have to look at a music chart or you don't have to look at a video, you can just listen to something and go, all right, that's what they're playing. I mean, you're, you're never going to get it exactly 100% right, but um, you can get pretty, pretty close. I mean, depending on what it is, if it's something really fast, obviously, you, you might, you know, you might be able to get it exactly right. But it's an important, I think it's an important skill to have that I think maybe some... Some younger musicians may not have to the same degree because all those resources are there for people now. Like go onto YouTube, there's sites for teaching you drums and guitar and whatever instrument you want. There's sheet music, it's tabs, so it's all.
0: You're kind of opening an insight into something that's missing because when you when you describe it that way, it makes me realise that actually so much is set up for visually able people. It seems mm. that everything is catered under the assumption that people are going to visually see these things. So I think you yeah. pointing that out has really helped to understand those limitations that come when you're a musician and you're dealing with, you're a professional musician and you're dealing with those limitations. And mm. It really shows what those limitations are. I've heard people say that limitations are what create creativity and I imagine that you're having to be quite creative in order to work your way around the um, aspects.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, for example, it does make, it will define your, your style of playing to a certain degree, you know, because if you, if you haven't got, if you only have a certain amount of money, you can only get a certain level of instrument, Mm
2: -hmm. which will
1: affect your sound that way. But if there's things that you can't do, like in my case, I couldn't look at, at a particular drummer and just see what he was doing, so or she. So I was, I would just listen, and I suppose in as a result of that, my way of doing things will be different to most people's because I would just work out my own way of mm. of, of doing something, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely would have a big influence. And again, even just in in general terms, like way music is now, I mean, it's all a totally different model from when we were, you know, kids, you know, we, we physically went and bought the, the CD or whatever in the shop, whereas mm. that's nearly, uh, for young people now, it's not not the case at all. So mm. it's it's all, if I know now with our band, if we put up something, you know, it, unless it's a video, people aren't really going to engage with it as much, but if it is a video, they'll click on and, oh, the video's cool, I like the video for your song yeah okay that's fine but what about the song you know I mean do you know what I mean like obviously again music videos to me mean nothing do you know what I mean and I've been in a few mu- I've been in music videos and they're just oh, they're awful because I don't I'm like I'm doing all this work I'm not going to be able to see the benefits of it <laughs> um, at least I'm the record I can listen back to it And mm.
2: uh, but
1: uh, the video you're just standing around all day for, for, for no reason but um, yeah it is interesting
0: and earlier when you said when you were a teenager people would sort of go out to those loud discos Mm. That you weren't able to go to. I'm thinking about the impact of that positive side of it, which is that it gave you time to spend on your music, I guess, and put, mm. maybe put something into your songs and your songwriting uh, that came out of a personal sense of that isolation, maybe from the separation of your friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, because obviously at the time, you know, I wanted to to go along with them, you know, because they were my friends, but I knew like. Because being teenagers, you know, these things weren't, you know, there'd be fights and stuff like that. So it, it just wouldn't have been, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure I could have done it. But I would have I would have had to be relying on my friends to sort of guide me around or whatever. And I just sort of thought, well, you know, they're out for a night, going to be drinking, you know, they might forget or get into a fight or you know who knows so Mm. it just wasn't i just knew it wasn't a good idea and plus Mm. i suppose what helped with that as well because at the time you know rock music was kind of gone completely from the charts at this stage so the music that they were playing would not have been music i was interested in anyway so i'm like why would i go to this um place where i don't like the music i can't really get around independently you know, I'm as well to stay at home and actually listen to the music I do like, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was part of me, like I said, that did obviously want to go because he wants to be included in the group and, you know, next day be able to chat about, oh, I remember this happened last night, you know. So I obviously didn't have that element of it, but I was happy enough to just sit in my room and play, I suppose. But um, like you say, yeah, that definitely would have worked into my songwriting, and uh, I suppose it kept me focused in on music because I suppose you don't know really like, like some people do pick up guitar or whatever in their teens, and then they kind of do it for a couple of years and drift away and never pick it up again. Mm. And it's pro- probably because other things happen. You know, they get to an age where they can go out. They you know they start going out, going, on, going out, and they go on the holidays and you get into relationships and you know jobs and the guitar gets put in the wardrobe and forgotten about who's to say that wouldn't have happened to me you know it might have if, if i could see i don't know it probably wouldn't but you, you can't be sure of these things so mm. it definitely kept me focused in which was great and it's definitely stood to me in the long run you know so yeah. i mean because yeah i suppose like yeah so that's that was kind of why like the, the, it was a big influence and a big Factor of for me playing because I couldn't go and do what they were doing, so I just went and done my own thing. Uh, I mean, then when I did get older, obviously, you know, I, I do go out now, it's to places I like to go, so places that the music isn't really loud, and it's music that if it is loud, I like it, so you know, it, it's, it's cool, and gigs and stuff. But I mean, back then, down home, there wasn't really that option, it was like go to the local youth disco thing or you don't go anywhere, so yeah, so I didn't. <laughs>
2: did
0: you find that? I mean. Cause I'm, I suppose when I do this podcast I kind of I try to sort of delve deeply into some of the emotions So because it's quite focused on music and mental health in a way and mm. um, I suppose I'm interested in how being blind if affected you emotionally at that age um, because I, could, I can hear that there are some in terms of practical things like you not going to some of the same events um, mm. did it impact how you felt did it, or because it, or likewise it could have been actually something that you felt was quite special and unique about you so you, you can go either way
1: mm, that's a good question in certain things i suppose it was it would have i would have seen it as a drawback like for example that thing that we've been talking about but i mean overall i was pretty you know i was pretty happy and I was basically, that was probably the one thing that I couldn't really do, that everyone else did. Mm. So on on every other level, I was able to hang out with my friends and we'd go off and climb trees and... Run across fields, and you know we do everything else. But just there are some things that you just can't do, I suppose. That, or would be certain things that would be wise not to do. But I mean, generally, generally, it's probably not affected me that much. But someone else might say might say different because I've grown up with it. You know, it's always been there, I suppose. I mean, like from the from when I was a child, like I knew I was never going to be able to drive. And you know, as I became a teenager, and friends started driving, and then. Now a lot of them have their own cars, but that never bothered me because because I knew it was never going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I was re- ready for that, I suppose. Yeah. It was probably some things. It's the things you don't for things you don't foresee. I suppose that catch you out. I mean, mm-hmm. the laws feed challenges, but um, you just have to just have to keep going and find a way around them. I suppose. I mean, I'd like to think there's there's not many things that I can't do to the same level as yeah. as somebody else. You know, but you know, obviously there are certain things, but um, generally it's. I mean, like I've you know obviously like I. I I think I mentioned it earlier, like I went to boarding school when I was a teenager and that would have been as a result of uh, being blind, obviously, because the local school at the time were like, well, we don't know if we would have the facilities here. And like my parents didn't really know what to do. And at the time, the only solution really was to um, go to boarding school. So there's boarding school in Dublin that uh, all people from all over the country went to. So that's where I went when I was a teen. So, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I could see. But I mean, I think that was a good thing, though, because it made me really independent, very young. It made me meet a lot of different people from from all over the country and kind of shaped, I suppose, my the things I'm into, like my sense of humor even would have been influenced. Because yeah. like, like in Dublin, Ireland's not that big of a country, but there there is differences in, in, in like people's sense of humor and stuff, I find. So like it's a lot sharper or <laughs> a bit more sarcastic up here. Yeah. So stuff like that, I mean, you know, that definitely uh, experiences I wouldn't have had if, if, I, if I could see I'd have just went to the local school home with everybody else, you know. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know I'd still be living there. I mean, I'm living up here now probably as a result of that because I was in Dublin for, um, you know, six years of school. Then I went home for a couple of years and came back to college and I've been, been here since. So, uh, again, up here, even on practical terms, there's good public transport. So I can go from A to B on my own steam. You know, I don't need to rely on a friend or I can go out and get the bus or I can get the train. Yeah. so uh, on on things like that not being able to see I suppose you do um, it does not make you make certain decisions that you might not have otherwise made I mean if I was living at home I mean I wouldn't really be able to there is no really I mean, there is a bus service, but it's just to Dublin, so if you want to go to the local next town over, there's no way except to drive there. So I suppose in, in, in that regard, not being able to see, yeah, it does make you make certain choices that you might not otherwise have made, I suppose. But in terms of emotionally, though, I mean, I think I'm a pretty happy guy, generally, yeah. to be honest. Yeah,
0: well, you do. I mean, I noticed, like, even in our email exchanges, um, that there is a sense of humour. It it is quite self-deprecating as well, because you said, "Oh, there probably won't be much to to say." And I had a sense of actually, there's there's loads to say. So, like I I noticed that there's a humour there behind it all. Um, yeah, a, a kind of self-deprecating one, but. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. It's inter- amazing when you do start talking, you're like, Oh, yeah, because I think God, I, I hope I'm not going to like run out of stuff to say after five minutes, you know, and no. you'll be left with a, a really short podcast. But, um, no, not yeah.
0: no, I'm quite notorious for taking something small and being able to extend it out. A lot of people have teased me for that actually, like, <laughs> I, I, I do that as a writer, like, someone might say, Write like, a hundred words on a topic, and then I end up with a thousand, so like,
1: you come back at a Big book for them. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's been really interesting. And um, actually, from what you're saying, um, if anything, blindness has actually contributed to you becoming a musician even more so, just through the limitations and helped you to appreciate it in a slightly different way. And has also mm. given you the space to actually pursue it as well rather than being as you said before, distracted by other things. Um, yeah, Yeah.
1: it's definitely probably led to keeping me interested or, you know, less distracted by other things. Because I mean, obviously as I got a bit older, when I got into my later teens then, you know, I would have went out drinking and, and all that stuff that goes with being a teenager. But music was always, by that time it was such a part of my life, I suppose, it was mm. was there to stay, you know, so it, I never, it definitely kept me focused in, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of other blind musicians that are inspirational to you, if there so are. Um, I can't think of any offhand, do you know that? Um, I mean, obviously, I know a lot of friends of mine that are blind and are fantastic musicians. Um, You know, really, really, like, really good players. Uh, but kind of in the general, like if you want to say, music that's in the charts or whatever, I don't know of any blind um, musicians. I can't think offhand, I'm sure there is yeah. someone. I know there's a guitar player, Jose Feliciano. Yeah. Kind of finger sort of finger picker sort of player. Stevie Wonder. Um, he he. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else. Uh, obviously Stevie Wonder, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I suppose I wouldn't really. I suppose I'd listen to music because I like it, and yeah. if, you know, I wouldn't just like like for example Stevie Wonder. I mean everybody knows Stevie Wonder, but I, I mean, and I do like some of his stuff, but I I wouldn't be mad into that sort of music. So yeah. it just wouldn't be something I would go to, you know. Yeah.
0: No. But that's fair enough. I was just curious if was,
1: you know. Yeah, to... no, it is a good question. I'll probably think of some more now after we, <laughs> we, we stop talking. I'll be like, Oh damn, what are you say?
0: <laughs> say such and such. The only two that I can think of to hand, I mean Ray Charles would be in Mother One. Oh yeah, and...
1: yeah, God, yeah, God. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, um... that's that's probably it. Was Roy Orbison blind, was he? I know a lot of people say that to me. Was Roy Orbison blind either? I think he wore dark glasses, did he? I um, don't actually know if he was.
0: I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Click
1: so. <laughs> to, um, yeah, to Google,
0: Yeah, to Google. This is brilliant podcasting, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. <laughs> great research
2: we've done here. Ah, um,
0: um, oh, it says I, here that the ever-present sunglasses led some people to assume that he was blind. So mm. by that, I assume he wasn't.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, great research, good. Well, wow, I learned something, so. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. It is an interesting question, though, like that there isn't more uh, known blind musicians, because a lot of blind people are mus- musical, like a good... Not everybody, obviously, but a lot of blind people I know do play an instrument because yeah. uh, music would be a big part of, of most blind people's lives, you know, so it, it is interesting that there isn't more, I suppose, in the, the practicalities of it, I suppose, maybe going to these different gigs and yeah. if you're blind, you, you know, you're not going to be able to haul a drum kit up a flight of stairs without someone at least showing you the way first, so maybe in... Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. It's, a good, it's an interesting one, though.
0: Well, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, because I get the sense that you feel music differently as well, especially if you're playing drums like you do. You're feeling, mm. I guess you're feeling the beat, or the music's cut, especially in a live situation, you're acutely aware of the sort of rhythms and the beats and the feeling of the vibrations and the bass and things. I imagine those become much more acute when you're blind.
1: Yeah, I suppose they do. I mean, I suppose for any musician, when you've been doing it a long time, yeah, you just get more tuned in, I suppose, but... I mean, even for, for like, say, if on a, on a live, on a live setting, like, it's obviously, most people would, there be a lot of visual communication going on, cues, and, alright, nod the head, I'm going into this section now, and everyone will follow, but obviously I don't have that, so I need to be really focused in on it, I need to be not thinking about something else, I need to stay tuned in, yeah. and, you know, if, if someone starts to jam with something, I'm kinda have to go with the flow, and kinda work, at, work out in my head what I think they're gonna do, where I think they're gonna go with it, you know, so I suppose that just comes from, from rehearsing, and practicing. And knowing the people you're you're playing music with, but yeah, I suppose not being able to see, you don't you don't you, you don't have the visual cues to go on, so you have to really be locked in. Yeah. And I suppose given that I'm the drummer, most people would in the band would follow me anyway, so maybe I can get away with it a bit more yeah. that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And you said um so your your girlfriend, you said is the singer in your band and people just yeah ask like you how did you two meet? Well, were the circumstances.
1: Well, well uh, that's an interesting one. We actually met as a result of of the band, so I, I didn't know beforehand so basically another guy I know who used to be in the band with us he's not anymore I'd met him and we were playing music and he was like oh my band's looking for a drummer would you be interested in coming and trying out and I was like alright well what, what kind of what kind of music is it he was like ah you know it's sort of classic rock I was like alright well send me on some demos and I'll have a listen you know I, I don't want to just turn up not knowing anything and uh, he was like, "Uh, well, we don't really have anything." And I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." Then. And uh, I didn't hear that more. And then about a week later, he was like, "Oh yeah, we're practicing whatever tomorrow night or something. Do you want to come down?" And I was like, "Okay." So I was a bit apprehensive about it, but uh, I went up anyway. And that's how I met her. So she was in the band at that stage. Oh, okay. And um, we got together. then after, like a, a few months later, after that, so that's how that happened.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And how is it being in a band with a significant other? Because there's, there's loads of bands where that happens. And I'm always curious about that is it easy to separate the professional side of being in a band with the emotional things that might be going on? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is something you have to be conscious of, I suppose. Because you do need to keep you do need to keep like you do need to keep things separate to a certain level. Like if you are having problems with, say, a certain song or you're having a disagreement as to what someone should do or something, you kinda it can be easy to take that home with you and carry on the discussion whereas the rest of the band members they go home to their own (laughs) thing and that's it it's done they don't have to worry about it for the next day whereas we'd still be Sitting home, going, oh, we should do this.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so you have to be kind of wary of stuff like that because it it it, it 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 can be a good thing, but it can be also a bad thing. And likewise, if thankfully we get on really well, so we don't really argue much. But if we if we were to have an argument, you don't want to bring that into the band either, then because yeah. the other members would be like, oh, what's going on here? There's a bit of, a, bit of an atmosphere in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it can be. You have to be careful, I suppose. But I mean, I've never done it before, so it's the first time. I always would have been of the view you shouldn't you know mix business and pleasure as it were mm.
2: um
1: but so far it's it's, it's worked out really yeah, well yeah. thankfully yeah i mean that's obviously right. at the stage now i mean if, like we did say at the start when we got together we we're like right well gonna do this right the obviously where relationship comes first so if the if the something goes wrong with, and you know the band will have to go you know but mm. luckily it's 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 worked out fine yeah. so far so okay. we're all we're all still here we're all still having a good time yeah, that's <laughs> um great. but yeah i mean it is it is an interesting it, you could do a podcast not in itself. I think. Um, yeah (laughs) to be be honest with you it's a it's a real interesting one
0: yeah maybe you have to get
1: her on to talk about it
0: it. see
1: see what she thinks of it
0: yeah i may explore that being in a relationship in the band because i imagine it's pretty intense again it i mean there's loads of bands where that's happened i mean we're so used to hearing sort of like sibling rivalry situations and bands are like you know the sort of Lennon McCartney stories, or like yeah, the Everly Brothers as well, weren't they always fighting? Um, yeah,
1: the Kinks, the two the brothers, Kinks. the Kinks, they they fall out, haven't they? Yeah, and obviously Liam and Noel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> but not I, so much on the relationship.
1: See, that is the danger with when you're when you have a family member or someone in a relationship with you can be you can say things some that you wouldn't say to someone that isn't that way connected to you do you know what i mean Yeah. which can be a good thing but it also can be a bad thing cuz it means you might say something that you shouldn't really say and you wouldn't say to to someone who's just a member of player uh, yeah you know it, it is it's an in, it's a really interesting area it, it really yeah. is uh, i mean like like i say i was saying there like i would have all previous to this have been of the view that it generally doesn't work because i've been i've been in bands where other people have been in couples you know other members and it, i've never seen it work uh you know someone they have a they fall out and it's awkward and you know or, or one of them you know they break up and one of them has to leave and it's just it can get very messy mm. so we it was something we were very conscious of to be to be honest and we did sort of think about and we we're like right we are going to do this we need to make sure it, it, it works out best mm. as possible but i suppose when the longer you're in a band with anybody you do get closer. I suppose like one of the guys, the other guitar player, like I've known him since I was 12 or something. So we've we've been playing music together for, for years. So, you know, it's we're pretty close. Yeah. Um, and our bass player he has been with us now for a good few years as well. So you do get closer as you go along, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it is a different dynamic there when you're in a couple or, or I imagine too, if you have a sibling. So yeah, it is a really interesting area.
0: Would you say that you share the same vision as well for the future of your band?
1: me and her yeah yeah i suppose we would yeah because we're at an age now where we know we're not going to be big rock stars you know what i mean like so we're certainly not not even that we're just doing it to for the love of of yeah. being in a band and going in and working on it just seeing a, a a song start from a little idea that someone has like could be a little chord progression or something simple and just watching it grow into into a finished song and recording it. it's a really it's a great process to be involved in you know yeah. Being, and, and sharing that as a part of a group, it's you know, I love it. Mm. And she'd be the same because uh, she'd be the main writer in the band, so oh, okay. that's what we're, what we're in it for. We're not like trying to be famous or anything, or yeah. we just want to play music and record and do a few gigs. So, in that, yeah, we definitely would be on the same level, yeah, vision wise.
0: Yeah, see, so that's fascinating as well because the people that I've interviewed so far, I think, who have been musicians, yeah. they've either been big already. As in, they, mm. they, they, became the big band that they wanted to be and they're no longer, or they have the dream to be in a big band. What's really mm. interesting about what you're saying is that there's these two sides, because of course, there, there'll be loads and loads of bands in your situation that, that either don't want the fame, but they love what they do, or they wanted the fame and they didn't make it, but they, they accept that and then they continue on. And it sounds like you're sort of in that place where you're not necessarily doing this for Spain as such, it's more for the, for the love, it's not so much about getting a record deal. and. Mm.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like, don't get me wrong, we'd obviously love to
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> to get to a stage where we could give up the day jobs, but, uh, like, I suppose in today's market, it's, it's a total different doesn't really happen like that anymore i mean like the days of established bands now even the only way they make money is by touring like the days of them selling thousands and thousands of records are gone mm. so they have to tour to to make to make money with, with downloading stuff people just aren't buying music anymore mm. so but i mean i've been in in several bands over the years where we've really worked at it and you know put everything in and it's it, it's it's it is like when a band uh, falls apart. It is, in a way, like a breakup of a relationship, you know. You, you can be good at afterwards, you know, because you've this thing you've put all your energy into and time and you've worked on it and you've watched it grow and grow and then all of a sudden it just, it's gone and you're like, oh, it is, it can be, um, it can be hard, you know. And, you know, we, we've we put put that in and it didn't work out for various different reasons. And I suppose now that I'm a bit older now, it's just like, well, you know, it's. I know I'm probably not going to ever, because you know, when you're teenager you think oh, i'm going to be a massive rock star you know yeah. <laughs> and have five mansions and, <laughs> and, and and live the life but uh i suppose when you get a bit older you just realize it's not that easy you know it's um takes a lot of work and a lot of luck as well to to mm-hmm. get there i suppose at the stage we're at now we're all you know in our 30s it's like we know you know we're probably never gonna get anywhere big but you know we'll definitely like to do lots of gigs and, and stuff like that, and put out music, and and hopefully people will will buy it. You know, we do kind of accept that we're not going to be massive, but um, and I suppose that does affect certain decisions you'll make. Then you know, mm. but uh, as a result of that, but like you said, we're in it for just the love of, of playing and being being in a band. I mean, mm. obviously, a bit if people turn up to your gigs is, is nice, and yeah. and you know, obviously, we'll we won't turn that down. But um, you know, there, there is so many bands out there. It's it's uh, everybody's trying to do the same thing, so it's it's hard, mm. it's hard for it people to get a, get a break, you know, but such is life. <laughs>
0: well, what makes the difference for you, do you think, between having a day job, you talked about the day job, and I'm thinking, mm. what is it for you as a musician that gives you that joy about wanting to have been in a band in the, first, in the first place and the thing that keeps you wanting to be in a band?
1: The main thing is, I suppose, first and foremost, is you got to be having fun and you got to get on with the people that you're with and you got to like each other's company because otherwise it's just a chore then. Like certain bands have been in before, there might be personalities clash, which, you know, which happens, but it, it's all down to how you manage it and, and deal with it. And um, when that happens, it's not very pleasant. You know, even if you're the one that isn't involved, if you're kind of there on the sidelines watching it, it's like everyone's going to have disagreements. That's just a fact of, of life. But I suppose it's um, if you have a good relationship with those other people, you can get around those things. But I mean, I suppose like the main thing is just for the, the love of playing and um, having fun, working on, like I say, watching the seed of a, a song grow from a, an idea to a, a sort of a, a bigger idea. And then finally it's finished and, you know, you get to record it and go out and play it for people or, you know, it's uh, that is the main reason behind it, I suppose, why why you'd be in a band because it is nice when you when you're with the right people to share that together because I mean, doing music on your own is. Is one thing because obviously you have you can do whatever you like you don't have to you don't have to listen to anyone else you can whatever you want to do with your song you can do and that's the advantage I suppose but the disadvantage of that is you're not really sharing that experience with other people I suppose so f- for us I suppose half the fun of it is that we get to meet up every whatever a couple times a week and hang out for a few hours and have the crack you know so like we're actually going rehearsing later on today so it's um the main thing of it is like the two I suppose the two main things is that we're friends and it's a it's a great. Pastime, and the other thing is, I suppose, the creative side of it—watching these ideas go from scraps of ideas to mm. to a finished song. So there's probably the two uh, main factors that why we do, it, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, and like you say, it is nice when you're um in in my day job is an office job, so it's totally very un rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to know, right? Well, we've got a gig this weekend to look forward to, or we're going recording on Saturday, or you know, mm. whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned radio
1: as well, so something, mm. there's something about radio that draws you in. Yeah, I mean, radio, yeah, I mean, that goes back to when I was a toddler, I suppose. I, I always have memories of uh, my mum just being in the kitchen with the radio on, and I always took an interest in radio. Mm. And I uh, studied it in college after school and I worked in radio for about three, year, three years and then I kept doing it on a sort of more casual basis after that just here and there bits and pieces um, so yeah that, that was another massive thing of mine and of course music and radio are, are very interlinked mm. so it would have been a big passion of mine along with with music uh, probably as big or a close second anyway yeah
0: yeah and um, so, if either one of them were taken away from you, I imagine, well, you, you described it being a bit like a heartbreak before. Mm,
1: yeah, I mean, music is probably my first love, but I uh, certainly um, still listen to a lot of radio and uh, like I was saying to you earlier, thinking about maybe starting a podcast, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a way to dip my toe back into the water somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I actually did look for um, radio jobs, that was my oh, okay. my, ri- my original, what I wanted to do with myself. Yeah. And uh, it was just such a hard industry to get into over here because it's small and it's it's more who, you know, I just, after a while of looking, I just said, look, I need to get another job. <laughs> um, so uh, I was a bit upset, but what could you do? Yeah, got an, got an office job instead. <laughs> but I uh, know, I still love radio. Yeah. It's and brilliant. podcasts, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: to, I mean, for anyone listening, how can people
1: get a hold of you? And- so we're basically on Facebook. If you put in primitive machine so our page is there and we have a couple of links to videos and stuff we have recorded about maybe five or six songs at this stage uh, we'd like to do more but you know, like you know i'm saying like with people leaving and stuff um so what we're doing is we're putting out a, a three track ep of kind of older stuff that we've done which we had different members in the band at the time so that's gone out and then we have the newer stuff which we're currently working on if you, if people want to listen to something right now they can Check us out on um, go to Facebook and
2: there's
1: links to the YouTube there. So we're on YouTube as well, and um, there's two videos up there, and I think we're on SoundCloud as well. Uh, so yeah, that's the ways to check us out.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'm gonna put all those links up. And are Deadly. you are you playing live soon as well?
1: Hopefully now in the summer we're gonna be doing a few more things. But um, like I say, the last few months we've been really focusing in on my girlfriend. She's been become the second guitar player, so
2: mm.
1: we really uh. And just going back over everything, and that's kind of been the main uh, thing. We, we're we're near, we're about ready now to, to hit the road again. So, you know, you'd have. There'd be a couple of more different sounds if you wanted to, like, the songs, if you wanted to compare them to bands, like, some of them would sound, oh, you'd hear it and you go, oh, that kind of sounds a bit like, you know, such and such. So the songs are different, but it's all um, pretty straight ahead guitar music. Kind of. I mean, like, Tracy is the main writer, so a lot of what she comes up with is dictates the kind of direction we take and approach to the, to the songs. So, I mean, we have contributes to the writing, but she'd be the main lyric writer, so, and her lyrics are, her lyrics are actually really, not really interesting lyrics, so I suppose, we just let them stand I would just keep the music kind of simple, I suppose. lyrics from dreams okay.
2: uh,
1: which is really interesting because uh, you know I, I do write songs myself but I, I wouldn't be like a very prolific songwriter I'd only do it whenever I, the need comes upon me to like I feel like I need to write something but she's constantly writing like she'd have little bits of song ideas on notes stuck all around the house oh, <laughs> people come in be like what's going on here there's weird <laughs> writing everywhere um, so she, she writes a lot from her dreams so she'll have dreams and she'll get up and write it down and she'll work it out then afterwards and arrange it and Put in bits and take out bits, and but to be all uh, the ones that aren't uh, dream-based, I suppose would be all kind of just general. Hopefully, stuff that everyone can relate to, you know. She, she'd probably be better to talk to about that than me. To be fair, but uh, that's that's as far as I see anyway.
0: one single song that you might be able to think back to as something that's got you through a particularly hard time or a difficult time or even an amazing time it doesn't really matter whether it was a difficult time as such do you have one
1: oh god I'm really bad at these sorts mm. of questions Hmm, what's coming to mind I suppose with, with me like what Favourite songs or whatever they change, you know. I don't really have mm. a particular one, you know. It's hmm, that is a tricky one. Um, because I, I would like to give you something, but like I say, uh, my songs do change from yeah. today. I'd like this song tomorrow, I'd really love something else.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, you could, you could take out from definitely maybe, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> we'll <We're laughs> um, just, we're just play right. the whole
0: of definitely maybe, Yeah, Just a... <laughs> stick on definitely maybe there at the end, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: brilliant.
0: I, personally, I wouldn't mind doing that. I think yeah. I think the listeners might have something to say, but I would be happy to. And this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it for now, actually. great. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, is that no, I enjoyed
2: that. That was, that was. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really happy to. Yeah, right.
2: Thanks for thanks for asking me. That's
0: So just to explain a few things, I'm doing a bit of an experiment with going straight into my interviews rather than giving a big intro. If you prefer the intro, let me know. I'm just going to update you quickly um, to give a shout out to Brandon Arend, who was on a previous episode with me, as you remember, talking about his recovery from cancer and how music got him through, and the mental health impact that he was left with. He was creating a um, charity album, and there was a, a page set up for you to donate to that cause. We have an update, and um, that album is well underway, and I'm going to do something which I probably shouldn't be doing on a podcast, which is actually finding the message he sent me as I'm recording because this is how hectic my life is at the moment that I've hardly got time to prepare for anything. Uh, So let me just find... So he's working on a couple of things with the album and the content. He is now $4,526 in to his $12,375 goal. So if anybody wants to still donate to Brandon Arendt, you still can do that at gofundme.com. Forward slash Delta Cancer album. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out to Simon Hughes, who has been a very kind and loyal listener. To my podcast so far. He's left a message to say um, that he really enjoyed listening to the episode um, in the psychiatric hospital with Phil Clark. He says, I na- naively never knew that music therapy existed. was a great insight into how music helps people. Um, I also had a message from Adam Visek, the drummer of Baby Shambles, about that same episode. And he sent a message to say, very insightful, it's a fast and furious business at times. Um, So good news, um, I'm actually hoping to get episode done with Adam in the coming months. Because he, as well as being famously the drummer of Baby Shambles, he's since retrained as a psychotherapist. And he too is setting up a podcast. Um, so I'm hopefully going to get him on this podcast soon. Um, some other news: not all of you listen, not all of you follow me on Twitter, but some months back I was um, a guest on Alan Mickey's radio show at Boogaloo Radio, talking about um, the mental health impact on musicians in the industry. I'm not really sure about the logistics of taking snippets of that radio show and putting them on the podcast if I'm able to I will provide a link to that um episode underneath this episode so that you can click into it and hear that um interview with me and Alan McGee talking about that and and that's all for me today until next time time's up